Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Well, none of us are totally consistent. Like once in a while we mess up. And uh, some of us may be more than others. Some of us mess up royally. Uh, Just during this COVID-19 thing, we've noticed one or two situations where people have really messed up. There was that politician in Ontario, I think the finance minister, who unfortunately decided to go to the Caribbean over Christmas and send out tweets as though he was still back at home in his riding in Ontario. And he had to resign. There's uh, more serious ones that happened too. There was a pastor of mine that got into an affair and it came to light. And like many other pastors, he had to resign. Get serious. But then there's me and there's you. And uh, we all mess up too. Perhaps we haven't messed up in the public light in that kind of way, but nevertheless, we do mess up. And we've had moments that we regret that can weigh us down for years. So we've been talking about in this series of um, sermons about Jesus' conversations with a few people. And today is the last one, and we're talking about Jesus' conversation with Peter. This was while he was resurrected, and uh, it's the last part of the Gospel of John. But before we move into that, we first need to know the background to this story, to this conversation. And that's the incident in, that's recorded in the Gospels, in several of the Gospels. It was read for you earlier from Mark 14 where Jesus said to his disciples on the last night before he uh, was taken into custody, he said to them, you, you disciples, you're all going to fall away because it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So you remember that? And what happened then later on, Peter said, no, even if everyone falls away, I won't. Um, Even I have to die for you, I won't disown you. And Jesus said, well, yeah, but tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to disown me. Well, and then, as you know, Peter did. Three times, he said, I don't know this man. Once he was under pressure in the courtyard. He wasn't the only one of the apostles to fail that way, right? Jesus had said, you'll all be scattered They were all scattered. Peter was the only one who came close. He followed into the courtyard of the high priest, but under the pressure there, he crumpled too. And Peter was so devastated because he'd failed both his Lord Jesus by saying he didn't know him, denying any knowledge of him, and then because he'd failed himself because he'd given a commitment 
saying, I would die for you before I disown you. And he didn't do that. He was devastated, and it seems he no longer considered himself to be one of the 12. And it's fascinating, then, what happens. Um, In Mark 16, a couple of chapters later, we read that an angel at the tomb of Jesus spoke to three women. He gave them a message for the disciples, and this is what it said. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Now, I don't know if you can imagine what that must have been like for Peter to hear that message. That he was specifically included in those in that group of disciples. And he was told to go to Galilee, where Jesus would appear to them. That must have been tremendous. And that was just the first indication of the grace of God coming to Peter in this terrible situation he'd put himself in. That's the background. So let's now go to the incident that we're going to look at together today in the last chapter of John's Gospel. It's set in Galilee, and a few of the disciples had gone to Galilee, as Jesus had told them to, and seven of them were together in the one place. And whilst they were together, Peter said to them, hey, let's go. I'm going fishing. Do you want to come? They all went. So here were these seven disciples who went fishing. And a few of them were commercial fishermen. Peter himself was commercial fisherman before he followed Jesus. But they went fishing. They caught nothing all night. Then there was a man on shore. And the man said to the, called out to them and said, Hey, have you caught any fish? They said, No. He said, Hey, throw the net on the right side of the boat. They did. And when they did, they caught so many fish, they didn't know what to do with them. They had to pull the net behind the boat because it was too heavy to lift. When they got to shore, close to shore, uh, John realized that the man on shore was Jesus. And he said, it's the Lord. And at that, Peter jumped into the water after his fashion to be the first to get to uh, shore Anyway, they all went to shore. They had breakfast with Jesus. And then at the end of Jesus, sorry, (laughs) at the end of breakfast, in verse 15, we read this. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? So Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Interesting words of Jesus, see? The repetition implies that it's something very important. 
And in fact, there are repetitions of three things. Um, Three times he asks Peter if he loves him. Peter says yes. Three times he gives him an assignment to ministry. And then twice after that, he gives a recall to follow Jesus. We'll come to that later. Now, what would you say to someone who'd really messed up in their relationship with God? And uh, we're feeling really down, away from God, crushed, useless. You know, there's a good chance you would say something like this. Don't you understand that Jesus loves you no matter what? He still loves you with a love beyond comprehension. Because that's a common way we talk to people because we know the grace of God. But that's not what Jesus did with Peter. Instead, he asked Peter the question, Peter, do you love me? And based on Peter's response, um, he gave him an assignment. So there's a place for knowing that God loves you, but it's the love for God that comes from that that's important. That's what Peter was, what Jesus was looking for in Peter. And that's what Peter was slowly coming to realize. Because obviously there were some doubts about Peter's love for Jesus. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have asked the question. But I don't think the doubt was in Jesus' mind. Because as Peter said to Jesus, he said, you know all things. You know that I love you. Peter recognized that. So it was for Peter's sake. And when we really make a mistake in our relationship with God, when we fall into sin, whatever it is, when we begin to question whether we truly love God, we think, that's I can't really love him. If I did, I wouldn't have done what I'd done. We're just not the person we thought we were. Um, I don't have the love for Jesus I thought I had. Isn't that kind of the way we see the situation? So Peter must have been wondering just what kind of love he had for Jesus. Now, the first time that Jesus questioned Peter on his love, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? So what are these? Uh, In English, it's, Kind of ambiguous, isn't it? But that ambiguity is the same in the Greek, so it doesn't help to go back there. It seems like there are three possibilities here. Perhaps Jesus is saying, "Uh, Peter, do you love me more than the other disciples love me? Uh, Perhaps he was saying, do you love me more than you love these other disciples? Or the third possibility is perhaps he's saying, Uh, Peter, do you love me more than you love fishing? You know, the first of those, the first option, do you love me more than the others love me? That would normally be a rather strange question because how is someone supposed to say whether they love more than someone else? Uh, To ask someone to compare their loyalty to the other members of the group would be rather strange, but then there's background here. 
because Peter did make that comparison himself when Jesus said, uh, everyone will fall away. He said, well, everyone else may fall away, but not me. I'll die first. So Peter himself said, no, my commitment to you, Lord, is greater than any of these. No chance. I'll give way. So Jesus could be drawing Peter's attention to his arrogance in that declaration of loyalty that he made on that terrible evening. But Peter answers to the question, when Jesus says, do you love me more than these? Peter answers, yes, Lord. And that would be a strange response to that kind of question. So I don't think that really fits. So the second meaning, do you love me more than you love the other disciples? Well, that's possible, but it's fairly obvious that, G- that Peter loved Jesus more than the other disciples. I mean, he'd given three years of his life to follow Jesus around and uh, called him Lord. And um, yeah, lots. If you just read the Gospels, you see it. So, so I think it's obvious. So I think it's unlikely that was the meaning. The third possibility, do you love me more than you love fishing? That's certainly a possibility, and Jesus' answer fits when he just says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter had just returned to fishing after being away from it. When he'd been away from it with Jesus, he'd gone back to it. So, but I suspect that's the meaning. But why then, when writing the gospel, did John leave that question ambiguous? You know, he could have made it clear. Well, maybe for us, so that we could look at it and think, yeah, do I love Jesus more than these? And whatever is our problem is going to come up there, isn't it? Anyway, that's just speculation. Back to Peter. Jesus didn't easily accept John's, uh, Peter's answer. Yes because he asked the question again. And without the comparison this time, just simply, do you love me? And Peter repeated his answer. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But when Jesus didn't accept even two affirmations and asked a third time, he was hurt. You know, but three times, Jesus, Peter denied that he knew Jesus. And now, three times, Jesus is calling him to reaffirm his love. Jesus was demanding more than just a flippant, off-the-top, I love you kind of thing, the kind that we hand out daily or very frequently without really thinking what it means. Uh, Jesus was asking for and he got an answer that both knew was truly real, even with the background of the denial. Peter did indeed love Jesus. But a real love for God doesn't stop with an affirmation, no matter how wholehearted that is. It's shown in action. And Peter had a specific task. Sorry, Jesus had a specific task for Peter. Uh, Do those of you who are familiar with the uh, gospel stories remember the first call of Peter? He was in a very similar situation. They were by the leak of Lake of Galilee, 
Peter was fishing with his brother. Andrew and Jesus said, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So that first call of Peter was to be fishers of men. Now Jesus is calling him to be a shepherd of the sheep, of Jesus' sheep. Not because he was perfect, but because he truly loved Jesus. And Peter went on to lead the group of believers in the first few weeks after Jesus left. You can read about that in the Acts, the first chapter of the book of Acts. Then he was to preach powerfully at Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit enabled him at Pentecost. And he remained a leader of the church right until his death. So the fact that Jesus tied love for him to meeting the needs of others three times, I think, illustrates an important point. And that is that a professed love for Jesus must be shown and will be shown by helping those who belong to Jesus. Worship without service is hollow. True love always leads to service. So those two things, we've seen the true love. Jesus got Peter to express his love for him strongly. He gave him a job to do, to look after his sheep. And then the third thing that Jesus impressed on Peter is that service for Jesus is always in the footsteps of Jesus. He gave him a recall to follow. Twice he told him to follow. And each of these two times was with a different emphasis. It only happens twice, not three times, with the recall to follow, but perhaps because there was a first call by the Lake of Galilee many years before. I don't know. Anyway, here's the way Jesus gives another recall for Peter to follow him. From verse 18, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't, don't want to go. Peter said this to indicate the kind of death by which Jesus, by which Peter would glorify Jesus. And then he said to him, follow me. You know, it's good that John, the writer, gave the meaning of this verse because otherwise most of us would be rather puzzled. But at the time that John was writing, this phrase, stretching out your hands, was widely understood as referring to crucifixion. So Peter would have understood and John's first readers would also have understood that he was talking about crucifixion. So this second call to follow was a call to crucifixion. Following Jesus, meaning giving his life for the flock of sheep in the same way that Jesus did. After the Last Supper, Peter had said that he would die rather than desert Jesus, but then he chickened out with the challenge. But here, Peter is told that he will be faithful this time, that he'll follow Jesus even to the death and even death on the cross. That's quite something to be called to that, isn't it? Now something else happened. Let's read on. Verse 20. Peter turned 
and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Peter answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. You know, Peter's response to this is understandable, isn't it? To commit to a difficult task is easier if we're not alone. There's a kind of group commitment there. And several times in my life, I've been one of a group of committed disciples of Jesus, committed to live for Jesus. And that kind of made my commitment easier because it was normal. It was the same for these people around me. Group support. But the opposite is also true, isn't it? Uh, Have you noticed the tendency over time to let your standard of commitment slip to the general level of the fellowship you're a part of? But this call to Peter to follow Jesus was a personal call. And it wasn't made to the whole group of seven. You know, especially for a leader, uh, the standard of discipleship cannot be set by other followers. But it's true for all of us. The question for Peter and for us was, not am I as good a disciple as he is, it's am I following Jesus? And uh, wherever that would take him, knowing that it would lead to martyrdom. So Jesus was making it clear, as disciples, we don't compare ourselves to those around us. We simply follow Jesus wherever he takes us. So let's just think about it a little bit more for ourselves. What's our takeaway from this passage, from this incident? Um, the very last one, the last of the conversations that Jesus had. Uh, We're not Peter. And in some ways, we might have a hard time identifying with what he did, which was in a very different environment, very different age. But the incident, nevertheless, is very helpful for us because it shows how Jesus views our failures in our relationship with him and points the way forward when it seems there is none. Some of us have failed dramatically. And whether publicly or privately, and it's left us feeling set aside, like unworthy and certainly unable to live as a radiant Christian. Others of us have failed repeatedly, perhaps taking it seriously at first and repenting and uh, seeking a reestablishment of our relationship with God, seeking forgiveness, then moving forward. But after a number of repeated failures, especially if it's with the same issue, the same sin, we tend to take it less seriously. We just keep going, kind of accepting the sin as a part of life, becoming numb to it, carrying on and putting it out of our mind, but nevertheless aware deep down 
that we're not the disciple that we think we should be. Uh, And perhaps something like that applies to many of us. What we've seen in the incident of one of the great characters of the early church can, I think, be very helpful to us failures. And the first thing I see here is that if Jesus has called you to him at some point in your life, he's not going to forget you. You know, we may forget him or may want to forget him, but not the other way around. He's not going to forget. He didn't forget Peter. Instead, he reached out to him. And second, your failure may seem final to you, but not to Jesus. He died so that our failures could be forgiven. That's why he died. So he's going to be seeking restoration of your life with him. And third, your failure does not mean that you do not and cannot love Jesus. It might feel that way, but that's not what it means. There may still be a love there, a really true love, that just needs to be brought out. And it seems from Peter's experience that it's important to express that love, just to reconsider where we're at, What's so special about Jesus? Affirm our love and keep reaffirming it just so that that Jesus hears, but so that we hear too. And as a kind of self-searching reaffirmation that, yeah, we truly do love Jesus. And if we've not expressed that love to him for a long time, we thought we were unworthy for a long time it may take some time to get back that's okay Uh, the fourth point is that love leads to service Peter was called anew to a life of service that he thought he was ready for previously and discovered he wasn't ready for it when the pressure came he just chickened out but Jesus reached out to him, and now he was much more solid. And he was called to a difficult life. So a new touch from God doesn't necessarily mean that life will be plain sailing from now on. Um, It leads to new service, and it leads to following somehow in the footsteps of Jesus. So may we all find freedom from the burden of our failures as we just realize that, yes, Jesus accepts us. Yes, as we renew our life for him, love for him, and then set out following him. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.